hello and welcome to the AIM Sisters podcast. You're here today with your hosts, Anna and Maria Setting, bringing your favorite twin talk of the week. And this episode, we're going to talk about heritage and identity. Yeah, that's right. We're going to talk about a very interesting test that you took that could identify where your DNA came from, which countries probably your ancestors came from. Um, and I think it's it's not accurate, of course, 100% accurate, because it's based on a database. So as more people take the test, more data gets and more precise the results are going to be. So it keeps changing. But I think it's interesting because many people, they are interested about uh, where their ancestors came from. And also maybe it can shape the way they perceive themselves and their sense of identity, right? knowing that their ancestors, maybe they didn't come from the country you were born. I mean, in our case, it's obvious because we knew, like our grandparents, they migrated, but some people, they don't know about it. And they think it's really fun and interesting to know. And sometimes a little bit controversial if they had any situation of like war or, um, you know, places that... cases as well. Yeah, but I mean, when you know that you have in your own DNA two countries that they historically fight with each other, it's also something that you can be a little bit pulled, you know? So, yeah, let's dive deep into that. Can you first uh, share with us your results and talk sure. a little bit about the test itself? So, it is an American company called My Heritage. Actually, in the beginning, they were just a company that help people to find their ancestors through like files and documents. And usually people who are interested in building their family trees, they would go to this website, but then they developed this system for uh, DNA tests. And it's based on as the more people use it, the better the results because it gets more accurate. I think that's why some people complain that it's not that good for Asian people because they don't have a database that big here in Asia. But basically, you have to spit on this little tube. And I know it sounds a bit disgusting, but it's just a little bit, not that much. And then you send it to the US headquarters and they're going to analyze your saliva and see your DNA and compare that with the database they have. So it takes like it's not that fast. It took me almost a month to get the entire the results, but yeah, it was quite interesting and surprising at the same time. So my results, oh, I was, I was expecting at least Italian, Portuguese, and Japanese because that's what we know, but uh, didn't appear anything Portuguese, weird enough. And the biggest one was Italy. So I am 41.6% Italian. And that's a lot, in my opinion. And the second second one that appeared the most was Japanese and Korean. That is 37.1%. After that was North and West European, 8%. And then Chinese and Vietnamese, 7.4%. And then Balkan, 4.8%. And last but not least, Mesoamerican and Indian, 1.1%. And this part, the Mesoamerican was like, what? Where did this come from? Because um, 
in Europe, like when you're not, the countries are pretty close to each other. So it's pretty easy to migrate. And historically, probably someone came elsewhere, not from Italy. So it makes sense. And Japan as well. It's pretty close to Korea, pretty close to China. But the Mesoamerican, I was like, ooh, I wonder who in the family. <laughs> so I have a little theory about that. Because as far as we know, the parents of our grandparents, they came to Brazil from Europe. And since they live in a very not really populated area there, um, I don't think they had contact with much many people that were not living in Europe at that time. At least so in I think Portugal. In in Italy, we're not sure because it was close to Venice. And Venice was pretty populated. No, but even though I don't think they had many conditions to, you know, travel and meet people who were living far away, especially mm. from Mesoamerica, right? So yeah. I think my idea, I'm not sure, um, maybe during colonization, theory. my little theory, during colonization, um, you know, some people, they got together with indigenous people or Spanish or Portuguese because both of them colonized America. Um, and maybe like children of those people, they went back to Europe at that time. And then they ended up having families there and way back, you know, and then the children of this half Mesoamerican, half European, was actually like half European, got with another European and their sons or daughters would be even more European. And then by the time they got to our family, probably they didn't even know there was a, a mix over there, you know? Right? I think that's the most like decent idea that I had about this Mesoamerican part of our family because yeah, we know everyone who went to Brazil basically. Yeah. And they went already married. So I don't know. Yeah, it makes more sense. Like, it's not close because it's 1%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like very, very, very little. My dad took the test. And I think it's a funny fact because he's really interested about genealogy. That's why my sister got the test, right? But her, his results show that he was really Portuguese. Like, more than 50%. Because, I mean, his mom is Portuguese, his dad is Italian. So it makes sense. But... It doesn't make sense. I mean, it may make sense, but it's a little bit funny that my sister got zero Portuguese, although my, my father is more than 50% Portuguese. Yeah. And if you think <laughs> about chromosomes, the X and Y, it doesn't make sense at all because he had to pass down the X chromosome that he got from his mom and she was Portuguese. But I am nothing Portuguese and only Italian. So it means that probably my grandma was already half Italian some at some point. Maybe not half, but like they had some like Italian in the middle of the Portuguese some Italian. family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, because it couldn't come from my grandfather's side of the family because I'm not a boy. I didn't get the, the Y part. But I think like even when we say X, Y, genetics is way more complex than that, you know, so... It's not that if you're a boy, you're not going to get anything from our grandfather, I think. Although I'm not ex an expert in, in genetics at all, okay? <laughs> yeah, so like, but like, I'm yeah. just saying this based on like the basic knowledge I had from college, like into high school. Yeah. So, yeah, so if you guys know more about genetics than we do, 
and you want if to you can solve explain. our family mystery. If you can explain the family mystery, go ahead. We'll be really pleased to listen to your theory as well. And Another thing that was fun, I think, it was the reaction of my mom. Yeah. Do you want to talk about it? So mommy, she was expecting to be uh, only Japanese. But then I was like, hey, mom. So the results came out. And actually, in your family, because there's no way my dad is anything Asian, I am part Japanese, Korean, Chinese, and Vietnamese. And she's like, what? Her what? jaw dropped. She's like, who in the family? Who did this? <laughs> like trying to find like someone who betrayed the Japanese part with the Chinese and Korean and Vietnamese. And you're like, ah, you see, we're not so Japanese as you think we are. And she was like, really in shock because she's like it means that i am also all those things <laughs> yeah so that was pretty fun to watch But her reaction it's important to say that in this test at least at that time japanese and korean they were put in the same category so it doesn't yeah. really mean that we actually had korean people in our family probably we we do have right but um just to say that the category was the same so They didn't have yeah. enough data to separate Japanese and Korean. Oh, well. <laughs> They're all Asian. Let's put them together. The American yeah. side. <laughs> the American side. And, but like, when I first took the test, that was only Japanese. That wasn't even categorized as Korean. And like, yeah. I checked the website like this month again. And then the Korean part was there. But I guess if more... Koreans and Japanese people start taking the test, they will increase their database. But I know there are some other companies that are more focused on Asia and they have better results. And especially China, because China is huge. So they actually can tell you probably where in China it came from or your ethnicity, because even though Han is like the biggest part in China, there are very other ethnicities and they're not all the same. So it would be great, right, for Chinese to find out where actually their ancestors came from. And the DNA test is being used as well to see diseases and possible health issues you might have and all those interesting things. And find lost relatives. Yeah, yeah. Like the, <laughs> it's weird because my heritage, they, they take your data and they're like, Okay, so here is like your possible lost cousin. Do you want to meet him? And they start introducing you to random people that have like similar DNA to you. They're like probably a lost, yeah, long, long, long time ago cousin or this and that. And it's interesting. It's weird, but I also find uh, strange that we pay for the service, but they are the ones gathering. DNA data from everyone, right? We don't know how they're gonna use it in the future, but like we're paying for them to get our information, which is nuts. <laughs> I mean, we give our information away everywhere. Yeah. Social we media. Do. Hello. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, we have a theory about other stuff. Like my sister and I, I don't know if you guys use WhatsApp, whatsapp or <laughs> my gosh sometimes we're talking there like and video calling and it just doesn't, doesn't work. work 
it stops in the middle of the conversation. It gets cuts down. And I think they don't want us to talk. And I look at my sister like the FBI is, is listening. <laughs> We even say hi to them. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I know you're listening to you. I know you're in the middle of the conversation. No, but it's funny because it's not like an internet connection problem because the other apps are working. We can talk like on Instagram or whatever, face call, not WhatsApp. And then it's exactly like when we're talking about specific stuff, they cut us down. It's really weird. Yeah. Um, you cannot curse there. They'll cut you <laughs> down. <laughs> not only cursing, right? Other stuff as well, but well. Mm. Um, going back to the topic, I think it's interesting that to talk a little bit about Japan and Korea. Yeah. Right. Because I mean, the reaction of my mom is like the representation of the reaction of many, many people around here, I'll say. Um, I mean, for and us, the funny thing, she's just, she's Brazilian, right? Yeah. So I think the reaction of like people who are Japanese living in Japan would be like, tenfold <laughs> yeah but I don't know I think it's interesting because for us it's very clear and a little obvious that you know no way someone is 100% something right there's no such thing as pure race whatever or pure ethnicity of no like I'm 100% this no way but uh, if you think about Like Japan, even though Japan is an island, it had to be populated somehow. And this population came to Japan, passing through the continent, which is like close to Korea, close to China. They had to populate Japan way, way back in the days, right? Before Japan closed down and was like really, really like, oh, here only Japanese lived. And like my sister was talking to me. Also, we have to think about the people who got casted aside and not considered really Japanese that were living here as well, like the indigenous people, which happens like almost everywhere, unfortunately, right? Yeah. So wanna talk a little bit about that? The concept sure. of like being pure here in Asia, which is something nuts for us. Yeah. I think there are various ways of approaching this because I think for Korea and Japan, the way they see their ethnic purity somehow is different because like in Japan, it was historically made this concept of being Japanese because as my sister said, they had to colonize their own country to bring this homogeneity to the population. And she was saying to me like about Okinawa is very, very different. They have different cultures, they look different. And I guess you're proud of that. They had to fight for their own rights to be different. Otherwise, like it's just this process of acculturation, I'll say. And Japan has been historically really problematic, I'd say, because it was like in imperial period, they colonized many countries around Asia. And Korea was part of the process, you know. They invaded Korea and colonized country. So I think for Korean people, being Korean means a lot because it's like we have our sovereignty. We're proud of being Koreans. We're we're like we have our own autonomy and our own power. And we are not like being oppressed by no one. 
And that's how they find so important, like keeping traditions and being Korean as an ethnicity. And I think this is represented even in like in the geography of the country. And as I was saying that here in Seoul is the capital of the country, but they have military bases from the US. And this is painful, really painful, I think, because in history, first the area of Itaewon was first kind of invaded by China to protect Korea from Japan when Japan first invaded and they put their military bases there. And then when Korea when was finally like invaded by Japan, Japan army stayed there as well. And when Korea was fighting for independence, U.S. Army came and put the troops in Taiwan as well. And they are still there nowadays. So when you walk there and you fall close to the station, Noksapyeong or Taiwan, um, you're going to see those wire fences and say, stay away, property of the United States of America. And you're like, what the hell? This is like the capital of Korea. And there's like a foreign landing here as well. And there's like, where is the autonomy? Where is the sovereignty and all those things? I know nowadays they don't say it's colonization because it's like a mutual agreement, but still it's weird for people to see that. And I think it's weird. And it's just power relations. And I think that's why for Korean people, to, they take so much pride in saying we're Koreans and we're a nation, we're together in this because they fought together to gain their independency. And in Japan, on the other hand, they take pride in being Japanese because they're like, we're the special people as well, as they used to sing, like the land of the rising sun. We are special. God sent us here, etc., etc. But that's why we need to be really careful about thinking about pure races because we've seen historically how it doesn't work. It can go really, really bad when you start imposing your superiority on others. Some people, they claim their uniqueness just for defense, I would say, because they've been invaded. They, they know what is being stripped out of their, um, their roots, basically, right? So they need to defend themselves. That's why they assure themselves. Other, other times, it can go on the other hand, like saying we are better because we're unique. So, and that's why I think in Japan and Korea, they don't really like mixed people. <laughs> but I would say that before we go into the half, half people, you know, um, it's important to notice that we do value the, you know, people fighting for their rights and culture and wanting to keep their um, traditions alive, so to say, as yeah. a nation, as a community, as a group of people who belong to the same cultural background, you know, to the same ancestry or lineage but thinking in a broader perspective so to say we have to acknowledge that there is no such thing as this boundary it is only a concept it's a construct that people make to protect what's theirs and to say this is me and this is the other 
And people yeah. don't like the other, don't like the foreigner, don't like the unknown, you know, because it's dangerous, it's unpredictable, and it's out, outside their comfort zone. But I think we have to put ourselves a little bit higher, you know, and get out of this idea of danger and this construct of the foreigner being something bad and acknowledge that. We are not from one place. We don't have this pure purity, so to say. It doesn't exist at all. And then we should extend our hands to everyone because we are all somehow connected. We are all somehow coming from the same lineage of human beings, you know? We are a little bit different nowadays <laughs> uh, in terms of our culture, our looks and everything. But, you know, you're not special because you're white with blue eyes. <laughs> yeah that's why like taking the this dna test can be really eye-opening to some people because if they think they are they take pride in being a certain ethnicity they realize they are not only that it makes them think about it like why did i think i was special for being this and also more accepting of others because if you are a part of many different places you gotta respect all those different places and hmm, incorporating to who you are and if you think about human value everyone has the same value right everyone is human everyone has i believe a soul and you know it's here for a reason no one is more special than anyone even though some people they have more power in our mindset in our you know perception of this world having more powers having more money or whatever or Having a light skin, some people do think like this. It makes no sense, right? We all have the same intrinsic value as human beings. It doesn't matter our ethnicity, our bank accounts. <laughs> it doesn't matter any of those because we're all humans. So, yeah, just wanted to say that. And it's crazy to think that this human value, like, the basic needs of humanity was just acknowledged officially after the Second World War by the United Nations. Before that, we didn't have anything that said you are human and you have the same, deserve the same respect as anyone else, which is, yeah, it took a long time to get there, I guess. But it's really, um, maybe a topic for another day to talk about human rights and how it is also Western construct it is it is so post-war construct we, yeah we can talk about that some other video otherwise it's gonna be like many topics in one but uh, maybe we can go back to being half what we were talking about about being half yeah yeah so you're gonna start mm, yeah i was just thinking about because when i came to korea and in my first semester of university, actually, I did a research about like multicultural families and how they live their lives here because it's not really common. And the research was mainly about Filipino and Korean families and usually Filipino wives and Korean husbands and how they raise their kids and all those things. And we noticed that it's a really tricky process for them because a lot of people don't like having like marrying or having relationships with foreigners for the long term because they're like, oh, if we have kids, 
they'll be bullied in school. They won't be accepted, you know, because they're not fully Korean, because their looks might be different, because they might not speak proper Korean or whatever. And their families that I've been in contact with, we can see that the children, they go through this acculturation process where only the Korean culture is recognized. And there's kind of an erasing of the other culture because they have to fit in. It didn't happen only in cases where the children were raised in the Philippines and then they got to mix pretty well, both cultures. But it says a lot about who is accepted, who is not. And I think there is still some stigma around being different. And I think in Japan, it can be even worse than here. Yeah, you can you can talk about it. Yeah, so some people don't even like to use the word half. I know like in the US, the Asian American community, they don't like to be called half because it means like they're not entire, you know. They start using the word hapa, which comes from Hawaii, which is also somehow problematic because they're not Hawaiians, but, you know, another yeah. topic. But uh, here in Japan, I've noticed that although people, when they become older, some people say, oh, half Japanese are pretty and it's cool to be half somehow, blah, blah, blah. Actually, it's not so nice for the everyday life, you know, especially when they're kids. Many people get bullied in school because they look different. Or I've heard from some people who were like half Japanese, half black. And the kids, they are not used to seeing someone with a different skin color and they bully them because of their skin color or because of their hair, which is very, very, very bad, you know? Like people, let's educate those children, right? To accept diversity. diversity. Yeah. And I think even when people uh, become a little bit older, it's not that easy to become part of Japanese society. Like, for example, I know some people who they said because they're Japanese, because they're half Japanese, people come to them expecting them to speak English, for example. And sometimes yeah. they're not even like half American or half British or half Australian. <laughs> And people expect them to speak English because they look foreigner or they're not really recognized as full Japanese because of their looks. Although they maybe have only like this Japanese mindset and only speak Japanese, um, you know, and about half Japanese that are like half Asian and half other types of like ethnicities in Asia and Japanese is also like most of them, I think they kind of behave the way they are just Japanese. Most people, they don't even know that they are half. They don't really talk about it. Um, I mean, some people do, I know some people do, but they are not really engaged in the other culture of their, their other parent who is not Japanese. Um, and I think it's problematic that, you know, um, if we talk about even the case of the Miss Universe, Miss Universe, no, Miss Japan. Miss Japan. <laughs> yeah, from 2015, Ariana Miyamoto, she was elected as like Miss Japan and she was half Japanese, half black Amer American, half American, yeah. I think, right? And half Japanese. And many people like 
from Japan, they were being really racist and saying that she didn't really deserve the title because she doesn't look like a Japanese. Although she was raised, born and raised in Japan, spoke Japanese and, you know, she's Japanese just because one of her parents are not from here. It doesn't mean she's not. Um, and it's only like accepting... Dramatic. I think her case is pretty dramatic. I mean, the reasons why she got into the Miss Japan in the first place and everything. Because I saw an interview. You want to explain it? Oh, just to add something, and then you can explain the interview. But to accept one type of one type of person, one type of one type of body shape, one type of eye shape as Japanese does not make sense. You know, even in Japan, there is some kind of diversity inside of it, you know. Yeah. And to accept one standard is really, really strict and really, really nonsense for me. Yeah. So the case of uh, Ariana Miyamoto, that's her name? Yeah. I think I saw an interview some time ago that she talked about the reason she decided to run for Miss Japan, I think it was because of a friend of hers that was also half Japanese and she suffered really like heavy bullying and all those things to the point that led her to commit suicide. So when that happened, she got really like enraged by the situation and how unfair it was because just because you look different you have to suffer so much. And that's what led her to, to try to be Miss Japan. Like, because winning or not, being that position is a political position. It's like, here I am. I deserve to be seen. I deserve to be accepted. We have Japanese deserve a place in this country because we were born here, etc. So I think, first of all, her being her running this uh, competition and also being elected as Miss Japan is already re really meaningful. And also the reaction to that shows a lot about what's going on in the society itself. Yeah, and then it leads us to the, the question of um, where do we belong? Do we belong to the place we were born? Do we belong to the place we had our ancestors coming from? Or do we belong to somewhere else where we feel comfortable and safe and respected for who we are, right? I think this is a question that passes through many people's heads, you know, especially if you were like us, mixed or coming from a different country that is, you know, living as... Um, migrants or if you're not super comfortable in your own culture the, the culture you're raised in um, yeah that's really something and if you feel comfortable in your own environment if you feel you belong to the place you were born you're lucky <laughs> you're very lucky yeah most people don't don't get to feel like this So finding sense of belonging is also finding community, is also finding values and 
things and that you can identify with. And it's an ongoing process, I would say. And it's good to know that you actually have the power and the agency to find it for yourself. And even if it wasn't naturally born like that, you're feeling comfortable and feeling welcome somewhere. Um, it's good to know that you can build it for yourself. Yes, we can all find a place here. Yeah. So if you have any interesting story to tell us about how you found a sense of belonging or if you have to, if you took the test like my sister and want to share um, your discoveries on your, your ancestry line, we would love to hear yours story um and if you're interested about let us know if you got surprised with the results like us if you have any crazy theory about our ancestry you can let us know as well <laughs> uh, mm -hmm. if you know a better test that include more diversity here in asian ethnicities please let me know because i want to take my test someday and maybe i can do another one Uh, and I think that's it for today. Thank you very much for listening and let us know what you want to hear in the next episodes. If you're listening to us here on YouTube, if you liked it, please leave us a like and comment down below or share with your friends and people who would like to hear about this topic. Uh, if you're listening to us on the podcast, thank you very much and leave us a review. We would be very, very thankful. Thank you so much for your time and your beautiful energy. Uh, so see you in the next episode. Thank you very much. Have a great week and bye-bye. Goodbye. <laughs>